Get rid of all the old white men. It offends me when these statues are taken down and history is erased or rewritten. A statue of Sir John A. Macdonald, the first prime minister of Canada, is being taken down. Has our first prime minister, one of our most well-known founding fathers, become a symbol of racism? Some, but not all, Canadians say yes. I'm Nikki Reitmeyer, and this is Why. In order to really commit to reconciliation, uh, we need to remove the statue of Johnny McDonald from the front steps of City Hall. And now many in Victoria are applauding City Hall for changing with it. Doesn't belong. Whatever we can do to help reconcile. Get rid of all the old white men. But there's also concern this is just the beginning. I do think it's a slippery slope. I think you have to consider all angles. It's like at what point did the floodgates open and then just anything goes? What should we do with the other reminders of the past in our city? And as we know, we have statues of and reminders of many of the people who've, who've shaped our history. This debate is just the latest in what have become the history wars, an argument over how a nation tells its own story. In the U.S., the debate has turned ugly recently over the removal of statues commemorating Confederate leaders. The debate is more polite in Canada, but just as real. Hello, Lisa speaking. Hi, Mayor Helps. It's Nikki Reitmeyer calling. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks. For Lisa Helps is the mayor of Victoria, the capital of BC, right in the southern sure part am. of Vancouver <laughs> Island. Now, this is where the statue of Sir John A. Macdonald has been removed from, right from the front steps of City Hall. I've been to Victoria, but I've never actually seen the John A. McDonald statue before that's at City Hall. Uh, well, it's about, I would say, a seven-foot or eight-foot statue of John A. McDonald on the steps of City Hall, uh, right, at, right outside the front doors of City Hall on Pandora Street. And removing a statue, coming to that decision, I mean, I, I imagine that could not have been an easy decision to come to. It's been a very difficult decision, and it's been a very emotional decision. And the decision has been made by the, the city family. So the city began a process of reconciliation with the Songhees and Esquimalt Nations last year in 2017 to kind of mark Canada's sesquicentennial. And at that time, city council uh, created a witness reconciliation program. And instead of a task force, which was our original proposal, which the nations rightly said was very kind of colonial approach, what they asked us to do, the Songhees and Esquimalt Nations, is to create a city family and because that's how um, indigenous people organize themselves through families and so the city family is comprised of myself a couple of councillors, and then uh, members of the Songhees and the Squamalt Nations as well as the urban indigenous people who live in Victoria and you know one of the things we heard very clearly from the indigenous members of the family is if we want to continue in a genuine way uh, on this pathway towards reconciliation, a good starting point would be to remove a very colonial and very painful figure from the doors of City Hall, you know, that they need to walk past uh, every time they come to a family gathering. What about for people who say, you know, where does it stop? Where does it end? Now it's, it's John A. Macdonald. What's next? Uh, changing mm -hmm. the, the name of British Columbia. When does this all end? Well, I, that, that's, 
it's a really interesting question, and it's a really complex question. Um, I, I think we don't we don't know an end point. My opinion, changing the name of British Columbia or changing the name of Canada, to me that that's not somewhere that that I would go. But I think we do need to look at coexistence. And so, for example, at the beginning of every council meeting, I talk about the city of Victoria being located on the homelands of the Songhees and Esquimalt nations. So we're not changing the city of Victoria to. Lekwungen or Songhees or Esquimalt, but there is there is a coexistence that's part of decolonization. And what's going to happen to Sir John A. Macdonald now? Once this weekend has passed, where does he go? The statue will be stored safely in a city facility, and the process of reconciliation through the city family will continue. It's a, a many years process, so we'll continue to gather together to to have share food together and to listen to the, the painful truths that we need to hear and share. And you know, we'll see. We don't know what, what it will look like, where the statue may reemerge and in what context. So those will, are conversations that we'll have to have over the next couple of years. Lisa, thank you so much for chatting with me. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. Take care. Thanks for the opportunity. So the statue of Sir John A. Macdonald will no longer stand on the steps of City Hall in Victoria. But is it really justified? I mean, how could our first prime minister, you know, one of our most famous founding fathers, be such a villain that he deserves to have his likeness collect dust in some dark storage room? For the explanation, meet James Daschuk. Now, he's a historian at the University of Regina, and he also wrote a book called Clearing the Plains, Disease, Politics of Starvation, and the Loss of Aboriginal Life. Now, how's this for irony? Back in 2014, he won an award for that book called the Sir John A. Macdonald Prize. Earlier this year, though, the Canadian History Association voted 121 to 11 in favor of changing the name of that award. Well, he's a very complicated figure. There's no doubt about it. And he, you know, he built Canada. People, his defenders often say that. But from my perspective, he built the dysfunctional Canada that we that we live in today, right? We've got so many unresolved issues with regard to Indigenous people, it's not funny. Probably hundreds and hundreds of, of land issues, health issues, criminal justice issues, child health issues, education, that kind of thing. McDonald oversaw most of those programs. He was the guy who oversaw the real ramping up of the residential school system, for example. You know, maybe I should back up a step and get you to explain who this Sir Johnny McDonald is. Sure. Well, Johnny McDonald was an immigrant from Scotland, set up his practice in Upper Canada in Kingston. If you go to Kingston, there are more representations of McDonald around Kingston. And so that's where he did most of his legal work and um, was instrumental in the, in the negotiation for Confederation and, of course, was the first prime minister. After his first term, he was, he was turfed out um, because of a political scandal, a corruption scandal. He spent some time uh, in opposition when the Liberals took over for one mandate, and he was re-elected, I think, in the fall of 1878, and he stayed in power, I think, for, until he died in the early 1890s. So here in the prairies, he was absolutely instrumental in overseeing the negotiation and implementation, for sure, of the treaties in getting the railway built and in developing, basically, Euro-Canadian settlement out here. Now, here in the prairies... He oversaw uh, basically a program which imposed starvation on the Indigenous people, forcing them into treaty 
off of the land and onto their reserves. And that was done purposely to, to facilitate the construction of the Canadian Pacific Railroad. He oversaw that, and he was actually quite proud of... Uh, I don't know about his ruthlessness, but his toughness with regard to Indigenous people. He said that we were keeping him on the absolute verge of starvation to reduce the expense. It's interesting because the things you, you talked about there, the parts of John A. McDonald's story that are very damning to his character, the terrible things that he did. When I think back, I don't really remember learning about that in, in high school. I remember in social studies class seeing that iconic photo of him driving the last spike for the railroad. And I remember hearing some more of the quirky stories about yeah, him. Kind of kind the of, Burton version, right? Yeah, he was kind of this goofy drunk. And I think he was really superstitious as well, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So, I mean, those, those things all may be true. But we're always uncovering new information and giving new interpretations to the past. So uh, my work has critiqued Mr. McDonald's policies, and I guess people have taken that up with regard to, for example, the Canadian Historical Association voting just this spring to take the name Sir John A. Macdonald off of their prize for the top Canadian history book. But as historians, as members of the Canadian Historical Association, we know about McDonald's full legacy. I mean, you you know, you were taught kind of the cartoon version, right? The heroic story of building the, the national dream and that whole thing. But for Indigenous people, that dream was a nightmare. You know, it's interesting, your perspective as historians, because one of the main arguments for people who do not want these statues removed or names of schools changed is to state that by removing these statues that you are, quote unquote, erasing history. There's a confluence of history, like there, you know, there's a plaque, I'm sure there's a plaque on the bottom of that statue, I haven't actually seen the statue in Victoria, and it probably has, you know, his, his birth date, his death date, and that kind of thing. But rather than true history, what that is, is that's a representation of a vision, that's a representation of power. It's not a full, robust historical interpretation. What that is, is that is a reminder, and if it's at City Hall, as your city councillors, as your mayor, as your citizens are going into that building, Johnny McDonald and his vision of Canada are, are basically keeping an eye on him as they're going up the steps. I've heard a phrase used before called bottom-up history in contrast to top-down history. Okay. What does that mean necessarily? Because my understanding of it is that top-down history is the perspective of these Anglo-Saxons who came here, the white man that was in power, such as a Sir John A. Macdonald, yeah, sure. versus yeah. the perspective of the average Canadian, the average French immigrant, the average First Nations person that was living here. Yeah, and that would be the idea of social history. So rather than, you know, the, the treaties and the battles and, and the famous speeches, it was people's everyday life. So women's history, for example, women were barred from a lot of those political positions, but, but women kept things going. So women's history is vitally important to who we are today. But because there weren't a lot of women prime ministers, for example, or generals in that old school history, that's part of the idea of the, you know, the, the bottom-up history. And I guess uh, an offshoot of that would be Indigenous history. So in the past, most of us weren't concerned with Indigenous history. The Indigenous people were living it, but through the residential school system, they were actually barred from learning their own history, if you want to think about it that way, because they were being retrained as, as British subjects, right? Like the, that's what the whole goal of, of residential schools was. So McDonald 
is um, almost a personification of that worldview. So that's probably, again, one of the reasons why the reconciliation family found that statue to be a problem. And it seems that perhaps you could argue that by removing things like a John A. McDonald statue, that you're making room for more of those bottom-up stories. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, um, I'm not necessarily an advocate for just taking those statues down. Maybe what they need is they need a context. So they could be moved to a museum and given, you know, like a rather than just like that, you know, the little plaque with, with whatever, whatever heroic, you know, sort of statement is made, there could be more context rather than just straightforward removing the statue and putting it in a garage, you know, contextualizing it. So it sounds like there's a compromise to be made here between the sides that are adamantly in favor of removing these statues and those adamantly opposed to it. And that's just simply adding context, appropriate context to history. Yeah, and just to people who recommended that this that the statue of McDonald be taken down, their perspective is probably that this is like, you know, that it's it's a violent symbol that continues to uh to give its message in the in the streets of uh, of Victoria. And I can understand that too. Maybe it's time to start thinking about James Douglas, maybe it's time to start thinking about other colonial leaders. It's been a contentious topic in Nova Scotia for decades. How to commemorate Halifax's founder, Edward Cornwallis, in a way that also recognizes the devastation he inflicted on the indigenous Mi'kmaq people when he founded the city in the 1700s. The statue of Halifax founder, Edward Cornwallis, represents white supremacy to many. He is infamous for, among other things, offering a bounty for Mi'kmaq scalps. Leading regional council to vote 12 to 4 in favor of temporarily removing the statue in January. I used to sit in this park for many years and watch that that statue. And I'm glad to see that statue coming down, sir. I and other Indigenous members of Parliament, in the spirit of reconciliation and goodwill, sent a letter to the minister asking that Langevin block be renamed. Hector Lavelin was a key architect to the disastrous residential school system, a system that has had a devastating and lasting impact on Indigenous culture and heritage. For generations, that building beside us that houses the Prime Minister and his or her staff has been referred to as Langevin block. And we've heard from you. And so we will remove this name, and what was once Langevin Block will now officially and practically become the office of the Prime Minister and the Privy Council. These examples, you know, changing the name of a building or taking down a statue, they are definitely the politically correct things to do. But is that what the majority of Canadians actually want? Leo Sakos is a Canadian senator, and now this is a guy who is totally against these types of changes. He doesn't think that we should hold people like McDonald or Cornwallis accountable for the things they did way back in history by today's standards of what's right and what's wrong. He said on Twitter that we shouldn't look into history to judge these guys, but to rather, quote, ensure we learn from and don't repeat the mistakes of the past. The residential school uh, system was deplorable in one of the darkest moments in Canadian history. 
Statues and monuments and portraits are a reflection of history. They are a reflection of the time and place where that history took place. And when you have these monuments and you have these statues, uh, it is in recognition of the accomplishments of these individuals and people, but it's also in recognition of, of the dark moments. It's, it's a learning tool. And history is supposed to be a learning tool. It's not supposed to be a platform for settling of previous accounts or trying to rewrite history. It's reflective of the realities of that period in time. And it, all of a sudden now we wake up and realize there was racism in the 19th century, not in Canada, but around the world. Do we not recognize there's still racism and work to be done in the 21st century? And he's not alone in that view. In fact, a survey proved that the majority of Canadians don't want to see these monuments changed. Hello. Hi, Shachi. How are you? It's Nikki calling. Shachi Curl is with Angus Reid. Now, they were the ones who conducted that survey. So, as you, you may have now heard, the John A. McDonald statue that was at Victoria City Hall has been removed. I'm curious to know, from the research that you guys have done, does this reflect public sentiment? Is this what the public has said they want? It really depends what segment of the public you're talking to, Nikki. So... An issue like this really does run along political lines. So in a place like Victoria, BC, which has a very strong left of center bent where voters are either choosing uh, the NDP or the Green Party, this may actually be a very uh, popular or supported move. But in general, it is the type of thing that people do tend to light their hair on fire about. Indeed, about a year ago, when this debate was going on about removing John A. McDonald's name from the PMO in Ottawa, when there were questions and calls for the removal of the Cornwallis statue in Halifax, at that time, we really found that, in general, uh, Canadians do feel that someone's issues uh, should not necessarily be judged through a modern day lens of racism. So uh, it's quite probable that most people in the 1860s were uh, referring to First Nations people wrongly, regrettably, unacceptably by today's standards as savages. So there is a sense that uh, we shouldn't necessarily be judging by modern standards of racism old behavior. That is something that nearly 70% of Canadians said when we pulled them on this issue last summer. And so the other thing that we found is that the vast majority of Canadians say it is better to move statues such as John A. Macdonald's to places like museums so that we can provide more context around these conversations and around, you know, really the legacies, the, the darkness and the light. I don't think there's a sense that Canadians have an appetite to erase these people from history writ large. How can we? It is part of our history. And that's the thing. It is part of our history. So now there is an acknowledgement that we need to talk about the good and the bad around it. Generally, if if you are someone who is hell-bent on saying the statue should stay, the name should remain on buildings, you're someone who is more of a traditionalist, you're somebody just in terms of your segment or, or your psychographic makeup, someone who who uh, feels perhaps that, that Canada and its values are changing in a way that doesn't feel comfortable 
Well, guess what? Times change and society changes with time and by generation. But I think what we've seen on this issue is there is a really galvanized, you know, significant number of people in this country who are not quite ready to fully let go of tradition, but who may be willing to to talk about what they consider tradition in a more nuanced way. Are we censoring history by removing the statues and monuments dedicated to historical figures who have done wrong as we define it now by our modern standards? Or are we censoring history by not giving equal value to the other historical accounts, historical accounts that have been previously suppressed? And is it possible to find a compromise between the two? There isn't a city in this country that I can think of that hasn't been touched, at least in some way, by colonialism. So it seems this is a conversation and a controversy that has no end in sight. This Is Why is produced by John O'Dowd and me, Nikki Reitmeyer. Now, you can find us on Twitter at This Is Why or send us an email, thisiswhy at curiouscast.ca. Take a minute to subscribe to this podcast, give us a rating and a review, and you can find us absolutely anywhere. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your favorite podcasts, wherever you're listening to us right now, just remember to subscribe. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next Friday. Bye.